morning. Thank you, Thanks. Pastor Christy. How you doing? So far, so good. I don't know about you, but those baptisms are worth coming to church for, just all by themselves. That's amazing. I love it. I really do. I just get so fired up about that and uh, seeing what God's doing in people's lives. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, hi to all of you in the South Auditorium as well. Thanks for being here today, you guys. And it's just a, a joy to talk about these Ten Commandments. We'll, we'll be halfway done uh, after today. So it's hard to believe. We've been going backwards, 10, 9, 8. We're on the sixth commandment that says, thou shalt not murder. And uh, that's, you know, when I first, when I saw I was on for the weekend, I was a little disappointed because it's like, I don't think very many people in the room have murdered anybody. And I, I just don't know how it's going to connect and how, it, how is it going to touch. And, and is this, I, we all know it's, it's horrible when someone's murdered, but how can we talk about that and how can it be applicable to our lives? It defined, it's this, deliberately killing another human being with premeditation. Now, that's a challenge to talk about. That's why we've called it manage your anger because anger is what leads to murder almost every time. I'm going to talk some about some other things as well. But what I want you to do is I want you to just think of a time. How many of you would be honest enough to say you can think of a time when you were so ticked off? Just, I mean mad. And uh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> so, some of you are looking at the other person going, I remember that. <laughs> Anger is just, it's a crazy thing. And it's, it's hard to talk about because usually when we're talking about it, we're not feeling it. And if, and if you are at the height of your anger and someone says, let's talk about your anger issues, uh, that's, the, that's when it explodes, right? So it's kind of tricky. It's all nice when it's calm and I'm not caught up. I've, I've, I've played golf with a few guys that had some real anger issues. I mean, I have seen, you know, after, after taking all the time to set up the shot, and then it's like, wham, wham, it's like, I saw one guy bust his wedge right over his knee, and I'm thinking, it really wasn't the golf club, you know? Have you checked out your swing lately? Um, but I didn't say that because he had other clubs in the bag. <laughs> we, we, we definitely are in a culture that deals with anger personally, up close and personal. We've had this happen right here in Fort Collins, our, our old town. We've had riots. We've had people who lose it. We've had parties that go bad, and police have to get involved. The domestic violence goes on and on and on. It's just, it's such a tough thing to deal with. I, I, I want you to know the first sin in the Bible after the fall of man is murder. Cain and Abel. We'll talk about that in a moment. Sometimes we forget that. There's so many TV shows involving murder. And many of them I like watching. It's like investigations or crime scenes and, and uh, who did it and why from revenge. And, and let's face it, we are wired. Something in us, we are wired. There's nothing better than a really good revenge movie where finally at the end the bad guy deserves to die. You know what I mean? And, and you're just waiting, and you don't want it to be fast. You want it to be slow, and you want them to suffer, and you wish you were there. <laughs> but you know it's just a TV show. But even that fuels 
the fact that we're watching and seeing and participating in our emotions with this kind of stuff. The first thing that I put in your notes, if you're taking notes today in the back of the program, is this. Do you believe you are capable of murdering someone? Capable. I'm not saying someday you will. Do you believe in the right setting, in the right moment, you could kill somebody? Not in self-defense, I mean murder them because you want them dead. You know, I've asked a lot of people that this week, just randomly. It's kind of a weird question to walk up and ask somebody, but um, a lot of people have said to me, I, I probably am capable. I, I don't think I ever will, but I think there's enough stuff inside of me once in a while that in the right setting, if everything happened just right, I probably would be capable of that. And so it's, it's something that you and I can't just dismiss as though this is to everybody else and it doesn't apply to me. It, it, it applies to me. Most of us will probably never commit murder, but that realization and that fact that, that I could in the right setting is very sobering. Ray Martinez just texted me a little thing after the last service that said, um, um, danger is just one step away from anger or anger's one step away from danger. You know, add one letter and anger becomes danger. And I, I think that's really, really true. Um, sometimes people are murdered because it's final. It's like, it's like the ultimate. If, if you wanna take somebody out, they're not coming back. And that's why killing them is a solution in some people's minds. I've, I've read stories, and you see it on the news, where an ex-spouse just has had it. They're just up to here, the abuse, and they finally just take it out, and they want them dead. I've had people tell me, yeah, murdering someone would, is easier than being divorced from them, because then at least they're out of my life. And so it's that kind of justification and these thoughts that we go through in our lives. My life would be better if they were just gone. Just, I don't want them here. Just let them be gone. Number two in your outline, we are accustomed to killing in our culture. There are so many ways we see people killed on TV and in movies that we are accustomed to it. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 4, the very first book in the Bible, when the first time murder happened. This is about Cain and Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. The reason he didn't accept it was Cain didn't have his heart behind it. He wasn't really giving it in a purity that Abel was. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The first murder in the Bible, a lot of murders after that. Um, a lot of murders in our world. The story goes on and on. What's the heart behind why Cain murdered Abel? What would, if, if you could think of one word 
the word would probably be rejection. Rejection is a huge word in this message today, and I hope you'll really think about it, because every one of us has faced rejection, and not one time was it a good experience. Can you go back to junior high days when you didn't make the team, or some group kicked you out, or someone was mean to you, or bullied you, or that, that rejection, when I think of, this is why people want to get even. Rejection goes right to the core of us, and it's really important that we understand we are capable of really hurting people when we reject them. Some of these mass murders you read about when a kid comes back into their school, the backup, the backup story so often is they didn't feel accepted, they were rejected, people were mean to them, and it's their way of retaliating, which is sick, but it's happening in our world. So many murders that happen in marriage are because someone's retaliating, someone rejected them, someone betrayed them, and the only way to get even is to kill them. I, I know that we can all recall those moments. I think it's really important for us to find a way in our lives to say, let's make sure we are including people around us. Let's make certain that we never devalue somebody, that as a church, that we will lead the way to, to love and care and let people feel the welcoming arms. Let's not be clicky and let's not exclude people. Let's be open-armed in our church. There's a lot of, lot of dying and killing that goes on in our world. I was reading an article about euthanasia, basically the fear of dying as you get older and it's easier to take a pill or get the needle and die when you want and choose it, regardless of where you are on this. Abortion is the same thing. It's that fear of life. What will I, what will I do if, if this baby is born? And fear drives that. I think of war. Though the Bible doesn't define killing in war as murder, war is still often motivated by fear. Um, killing happens because of hatred. It happens because of prejudice. It happens because of the desire that we have innately to get even with someone else. We find ways to justify the killing of many kinds. It's interesting, um, talking about abortion, some medical students were attending a seminar on abortion where the lecturer presented them with a case study, a true story. He said, the father of the family has syphilis, the mother has tuberculosis. They have had four children already, the first one is blind, the second one died, the third one is deaf and dumb, and the fourth one has tuberculosis. The mother is now pregnant with their fifth child and is willing to have an abortion if you suggest it. What would your advice be, he asked the students. The students overwhelmingly voted to terminate the pregnancy. The lecturer responded, congratulations, you just killed Beethoven. We sometimes don't realize what the next step is in our life. And our fear of what could be worst case scenario causes us to jump in and make decisions that maybe we shouldn't be making. But our culture pushes this on us. We see death, this is amazing. The average person in our country has seen 20,000 murders on TV by the time they're 18 years old. 20,000. If you do the math on that, that's over 1,000 a year. There's only 365 days in a year. That means it's about three a day. If that's if you watch TV every day. That means if you have a night of watching TV, you might get seven or eight in. I mean, it's everywhere. The point is, we are accustomed, and I know it's just TV, but I think of, of and I'm not old-fashioned about this, but I think of video games. I was watching these guys play this video game in a store the other day. It's, I mean, it was like 
I mean, it was just murder, just shooting and blood and guts and stuff. And I just thought, wow, I mean, you know, they're thinking it's just a game. Maybe it's true, it is just a game. But I guess I had this question, should it be a game? What, what happens in people's minds and our psyches when, when we are invited in to pulling the trigger? We are invited in to, to taking life. It's, it's all just kind of a messed up world that we live in. But you're exposed to it. I'm exposed to it. Just watch the news tonight or tomorrow night. You're exposed to it. It's real. And it all starts with the seed and the thread of anger. So, so let's tie this as to Jesus' words. And the third thing is Jesus ties murder to anger. If we were just going to stop and say, okay, don't murder, I think most of us would be good with that. But to back it up like Jesus does in verse 21 of Matthew 5, let me read it. You have heard that our ancestors were told, the Ten Commandments, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, 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 when, I, when I was studying this out, I was so convicted because like driving home today, I'm gonna wanna say, that is an idiot driving that car, right? How many of you have driven with idiots? They're on our roads in this community. I want none of you, but there are idiots out there. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to me that Jesus, here's what he's doing. He's, he's using this idea that you are created in the image of God. No matter who you are, no matter what race you are, it doesn't matter, you are created in the image of God. Here's the big thing. Anytime you or I devalue a human being for any reason, it is not godly. And, and that's why we shouldn't name call. It's why we shouldn't call people an idiot. When Jesus uses that phrase, he uses the Greek word raka. And it's a word that means brainless. Saying, don't say people are brainless. I'm thinking, wow, I have said before, do they have a brain? You know, I mean, have, have you said that before? No? Okay, sorry, I have. Um, there's this, there's this something in us that we just get silly sometimes and we say, you know, that person's an idiot. They're brainless. What are they thinking? And, and, or a fool is another a word that is paralleled with raka. So don't call anybody a fool. Jesus is saying, honor human life. Pay attention because when you get angry, then you're going to start to say things that bring a human being to a place God doesn't intend them to be. And we do that without even thinking about it. Let's pay attention and not say to people, drop dead, or you're an idiot, or those types of things, even in our anger. So what kind of types of anger? Number four, types of human anger. Uh, John Jay, in his book on the Ten Commandments, he, he, he lists four things that he says are typical in people. You're gonna probably see yourself in here. They all start with the letter M, and so we're going to just jot them down. The first one is uh, the maniac. The maniac. And this would be the person who just absolutely loses it. No control. They punch the wall. They break a golf club. There's this, this kind of thing of anger that just comes over them. There's, there's no logic connected to their behavior. It's just gone. Something pushes their button, and it's over. 
I, I, uh, I've been exposed to this anger before. Um, I don't have this kind of anger. My kids say to me sometimes, I, I don't know if we've ever seen you mad, you know. And I've been frustrated, but I'm, I'm a pretty patient person. So, But I've seen the maniac anger in, on a farm in Kansas with my grandparents. And every summer we would go spend a couple of weeks there and buck hay and work and enjoy. And, and my grandpa always had different bulls through the years. And he had this one bull named Old Red. And Old Red was... With my grandpa, I don't know why, my grandpa could walk right up to that bull and actually pet him on the back, and he would just stand there, and he was a big bull. Of course, when you're nine or 10, every bull looks big, but, but us cousins, you know, we'd be around the corral, you know, and grandpa's petting this bull, and we're thinking, that's amazing. But if we tried to get in the pen, and if we tried, I don't know if it was because we were throwing dirt clods at the bull, or I don't know what it was, but, but, the bull would come after us. I mean, it wanted us down. And so we had these little contests of who could run across the pen, you know? Stupid. I don't know how I'm alive today, some of the things I did. But mad, that bull would strike the ground and snort, and he'd get so mad, and we'd all just laugh. Oh, I'm glad he never got us. The second, the second way people respond is uh, the mute. The person who just goes silent. They get so angry that they're going to block you out of their life. They're not going to talk to you the rest of the day. They're going to ignore you, and they're going to make you pay for what you said, and they're going to punish you. They have no comment. They have no other emotional display. You've heard the phrase, the silent treatment. Don't raise your hand. There's a few of you in here. I can see you looking at them. You know, it's like, that's you, baby. That's you right there. The silent treatment. This is a form of punishing someone else. And that anger is, is funneled in, and it stays there, and it can usually grow into strong resentment, and it can start building a case to get even. People who stuff their anger, I promise you, it's going to come out somewhere, sometime in the future. You can't just stuff it and have it stay there. Some people think, well, at least I don't get mad and throw things. No, you get mad and end up killing somebody <laughs> because it doesn't come out. And that's, that's the case with many who have committed murder. The, the third style is the martyr, the martyr complex. They, they turn anger into kind of a pity party and invite only themselves. <laughs> it's like... It's like they, they readily accept the blame, like, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that to turn into that. And, and there's like, no way can they confront, they'll just take the hit, even if they're right. And, and these people get abused by people who are control freaks. And they'll just take it on the chin, and they'll say, I'm so sorry, and I shouldn't have done that. It's an oh, poor me, kind of, it's all my fault, and, 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 and it's not true. I want to say, if that's you... You probably need to work on learning how to properly confront someone when you should. And don't take the blame for something that isn't your fault. That's not right. That's not honest. That's not healthy in a relationship. And so you might think you're doing everybody a favor by just taking it on, but you're not. And the last one is probably the most common, and that's the manipulator. The manipulator. You know, when, when you get angry, if you're a manipulator, you will use anger for payback. And you will justify it in your mind. And you will get even. Matter of fact, you will get one or two up, not just even. 
eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I mean, you believe that. Uh, you want to get ahead in the end. And, and these types of, of people who live this out use anger to manipulate everybody else around them. So what, what is the proper way to deal? Let's go to the last point, number five. And let's talk about ways to properly deal with anger. The Bible actually says to be angry and sin not. So we know that anger is an emotion that we can have. It depends on where it goes. Jesus was angry when he went into the temple and they were ripping people off with the scales. And he turned over their tables and he drove them out of the temple. He made a whip and drove them out of the temple. He wasn't sinning. He was angry. It's kind of like in, in college, I had a guy, a friend of mine who did a in speech class. I'll never forget this. He came up and he slammed his hands down on the desk and he said, I'm mad. And everyone, everyone was like, wow. And, and then he said, I'm sick and tired of picking up everybody else's trash. He said, people litter on this campus. And I'm mad enough that I'm forming a day when we're going to clean it up. <laughs> it was this idea of using anger to be motivated to go clean it up and make a difference and not just lash out at other people. Anger itself is not a bad thing. Aristotle, I think, put it so well. This is an amazing quote. Anyone can be angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way, that is not easy. <laughs> Would you agree? It's a great quote. Look at all the different measure points of how that anger is going to be exposed. If we would do a better job doing that, uh, we probably would have less murder in the world. Can you imagine if there would never have been a murder anywhere in the world, what our world would be like right now, how different it would be? It's just crazy to think like that. So I have some suggestions that I hope will help. This is really practical. Number one, stop, breathe, and think. When you're in that when that moment of anger, I know it's hard to do, but you can learn to discipline your body and your mind to just stop when you're mad and just take a deep breath and think about what you're about to do, even in the little frustrations in your life. I, uh, I was, a couple, couple winters ago, I was rebuilding a little motorcycle in my garage and one of the bolts that went up inside the engine was really tricky to get in and out and I had it out and I was putting it back together. And I don't have like the best setup in my garage with lifts and stuff like that. So I'm just kind of that old school, get on the ground, put your head in there with a flashlight. And, and this screw, the motorcycle was on a kickstand, so it's leaning a little bit. And I'm trying to get this screw back up in there. And I'm on the ground, and it's cold. And um, I'm looking up in there, and I can't quite see it. And, and I've got this screwdriver, and I'm trying to leave that thing in there. My hands are getting tired, and I'm leaning in this awkward position. And it falls out again, and I try again, I try again, I try again. There was just this, this, this moment. Anybody understand this? It was just this moment where God just left the room, and, and it was just he wasn't there to help me. And, and it was just finally I did this exact thing. I just stopped. I just put that screwdriver down, and I put that screw down there, and I scooted out and stood up and said, it is time for a Pepsi. <laughs> I'm done. I'm just taking a break. And that was the best thing I could have done. Because there are certain things that, that bug us. Um, and, and we have to stop breathing and think. The second thing I, in your notes is to pinpoint why you feel angry. 
Like, is this justified? Did someone really do this to you? Did someone really take it out on you? Are they responsible for making you feel this way? Or is it something you have done? I, uh, I'm sorry, I'm exposing all my vulnerabilities here today, or some of them, but I, I had this little, I, I still, I'm still working through something, okay? I subscribe to what is called Sirius XM. It's a, do you know what it is? It's a, it's a, a music station that you can get in your car with no commercials. So this guy's telling me no commercials, none. I'm saying none, none. It's just the music, and you can pick the genres that you like, and there's, there's no commercials, none, none. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. So I get the genre going, I'm going down the road, and, and, and I'm really liking this. But they have these DJs on there. And this DJ, this one particular, talks between every song. Now, I'm buying this, so I don't hear talking. I want to hear the music. And so he starts saying things like, yeah, I met this artist, you know, last night at a party, and he gave me tickets. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care who you are. I don't know you. I don't want you to tell me what your life is like the next week. And I started just saying these ugly things to the radio because I'm saying, why are you talking? And I just want to call SiriusXM and say, I'm, I subscribe so that I wouldn't hear talking and I'm hearing talking. And I'm working on it though, I'm working on it. But I'm gonna get some therapy and I'll be fine. Uh, I still don't fully understand why there's so much talking when we're paying. <laughs> we're paying. So, so, oh, here's my point. Sorry, I kind of got lost there in the emotion. Here's, here's my point with this. My, my point is, I, I literally asked myself, I said, Derry, why does this bug you so much? And it wasn't bugging me where I'm throwing things. It was just annoying. And I, so I asked the question, why is this bugging you? And I think, honestly, it was my expectation was not met. I was told it was something, and I didn't know about the talking DJs. And then I'm paying for this. You know, and so it's still nice that there's no commercials, but when you pay and your expectation is not met, it can set you up for disappointment. And so now that I'm fully aware, I'm sure it won't bug me near as much. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Deal with the anger you feel. This one's really important because there are... There are really great moments in your life where you should feel anger. And it's not a bad emotion. Let the right things upset you. Get mad at sin. Get mad at how it's destroying your life. Be angry. With, be brutal. Be ruthless with yourself. When, when you find yourself being swept away by emotional decisions that are destroying your life, get angry about that and deal with that anger you feel. And if it's anger toward another person and you want to harm them, deal with that. Be honest about that. Get some help because there's no way that you can escape anger in your life. Talk to someone you trust about it. Number four, this is a tough one, forgiveness. I put there no grudges. Now people really misunderstand, especially Christians. I've seen Christians actually manipulate people through this idea of forgiveness. Well, you have to forgive me. If you're gonna be a Christian, you have to forgive me. Now, could we agree that if someone is truly apologized and they mean it and they stop their behavior, it's a lot easier to forgive them, right? But what about that person who has not asked you to forgive them and they've hurt you, they've harmed you in some way? Is it biblical to learn to forgive 
and to move on in our lives. Jesus modeled this for us, offering forgiveness to people who were destroying him physically and they thought spiritually. So yes, that is important that we do that. However, what so many Christians do is they make the mistake that believe if I forgive someone who's not apologized, but in my mind, my psyche, my spiritual man, I say, God, I'm gonna let that go. I just forgive them, I pray for them, whatever's going on in their life. But it does not mean that I reestablish the same trust of them that I had before. There are many people I have forgiven that I no longer respect. Because forgiveness doesn't mean I have to respect them or their decisions. And so many times Christians hold it in other Christians' face. You have to forgive me, meaning everything's back like it was before. No, it isn't. Trustworthiness allows me to trust you. I've often used the example of someone who might babysit my kids when they were little, if they ever molested one of my kids. I believe by the grace of God, he could help me to forgive them, but they would never babysit my kids again. See? And so, so that's, the, that's that tension that, that we live with. Learn how to forgive and don't live with grudges in your life because it's, it's you that's the loser in that. You'll lose your health. You'll lose your life holding that grudge. Let it go. And the last one is lead with love. Do you know the Bible teaches that people in the world who don't know God will know us by the love we have for each other. That's how we're marked. Literally, it says, they're gonna know us by the love we have for each other. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if people sense that we lead with love, that we are people who love first, and we're willing to love, even those that don't love back. I'm gonna read Psalm 103, verses eight through 12. This is so powerful. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us, us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the West, meaning forever, forever, forever. That's a loving God. Let's learn from that and let's deal harshly with our own lives. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this commandment. Though it's unlikely that very many people would commit murder in this room, it's very likely that there has been violence at our own hands and the capability of being violent. And maybe not physically murder, but maybe in our minds we have wished someone would die. I want you to talk to us about that today in our hearts right now in this prayer. Pull us forward, Lord. Pull us forward. I have two or three things I'm going to just go down with heads bowed. I want you to just search your own heart now. I don't want you to raise your hand because this stuff is so personal. But some of you need to deal with your anger, anger that's not godly. Whether you stuff it and give people the silent treatment or whether you hit a wall and destroy things. Maybe you've shaken a person 
or a child. Maybe you've hit somebody. Maybe you've been someone who has been involved in domestic abuse because your anger is not in control. I'm asking you, by the grace of God, to get some help. Take it to God now, but talk to somebody this week. This is practical. We need it. Don't live with this. Don't somehow be a loaded gun that somebody could pull that trigger in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't want you to have those regrets. I want to pray for you. The second one I want to pray for is those of you that need to forgive out of trusting God being greater than your pain. It's not because they deserve your forgiveness. That has nothing to do with it. It's because you deserve to be free from the pain of what they've done to you. They have you trapped and you in bondage. And forgiveness, trusting God to be greater than the pain, is a great step you can take today. So I offer that, and I want you to offer that to God right now. Let's pray. Lord, give me the strength to be able to move beyond this personal pain. Pray for that person. God, open their eyes and let them see. And take me to a new place. God, for those who are praying about their anger, I ask you to show them, convict them in a real way how to be an overcomer today and how to stop and breathe and think and go through a process. We trust you in this way today, Lord. We are grateful. We give you the glory. Lord, for anyone who's here that does not know you personally, if you know you're separated from God, look, this is a great place for you to start. Just say right now with me, Lord, I'm coming to you in faith. I don't know a whole lot about this, but I'm gonna trust that you are God, that you died on that cross for me, and I'm gonna personally make a decision to follow you with my life. Forgive me and cleanse me. If you would pray that prayer right now, in just a moment, I'd love to give you a packet that will help you get started. They're right up here beside the stage on both sides. One of our prayer team members will help you. But pray that prayer and mean it in your heart. To God be the glory, we pray, Lord. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I love you guys. Proud of you. Thankful for you. There is hope for us. You know that? There really is. So keep reading the Ten Commandments. Let's take an offering. Ushers come. This is our regular tithe and offering. Hey, thank you. So many of you just starting to tithe. You're trying it. It's scary. And it's a couple of emails you've sent me. Just some great stories. So thank you for doing that. And uh, if you're a guest with us, we don't expect you to give in this offering. Just be our guest. And thank you so much for coming. This is when you would drop that connection card in the offering as it goes by. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. You, you said you love a cheerful giver. And so help us to be generous. Help us to realize we own nothing. We are called to steward what you've put in our hand. So release us as we give in Jesus' name. Amen.